first thing I wanted to chat about was the uh, the response to my Apple Music lossless slash Dolby Atmos slash spatial audio video. Um, first thing being, there was one person who didn't get the Dobbly reference. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? I have to have to knock the Spinal Tap references on the head. I think. Yeah, I was waiting for someone not to get it because I, I nearly didn't put my reaction into it because I, I had like a very very quick um, sort of wink to the camera. I nearly didn't do that, but I'm. Bit too, um, bit of a wimp. I thought if I don't do that, then people are just going to think I'm an idiot. But, um, but yeah, just one person didn't get that reference, which was a shame, like you say. But um, what really annoyed me was just the annoys the wrong word. It just frustrates me a bit that I think there's a, a very, very small subsection of my audience who are genuine audiophiles. They, they clearly know what they're talking about, but they seem completely incapable of looking beyond their own lens when it comes to this stuff. And I'd hoped, and maybe I didn't, but I hoped I'd made it clear right from the start that this was a video for, for non-audiophiles. And I think we've spoken about this previously. I think we even spoke about it on the, on the previous um, podcast that the if you wear a pair of AirPods Max and you listen to a AAC, normal, normal Apple Music track, and then listen to a, a lossless track, the latter is just louder. And it, it just has been. I've, I've tested it no end of times. It's louder. I think I've called it punchier, which is obviously debatable, but it's definitely louder. And uh, yeah, I, I, I watched an interesting video um, from a guy. I should really have uh, remembered his name. So it's just come out in the last couple of days, and it's sort of like an audio engineer perspective on the new Apple Music sound. And he's gone in, and this you know this this guy does this for a living. He's a he's a professional mixer. He's mixed you know albums from some well known names. Um, and so he was going in and he was going the waveforms and things. And he was saying, well, yeah, I mean, the basic, he, he sort of um, started his story by saying, you know, back in the 80s when sort of stack hi-fi systems were the thing, your slimy salesperson would set everything up such that the expensive one that they wanted you to buy was louder than the cheaper ones. Yeah. Because, exactly as you say, when when you're a being something and you hear something and it's louder, just the fact that it's louder, it sounds better and it does. Just your your, I don't know what the term is, but in your your response to that loudness is you perceive it as being better. Um, and so he was saying, basically, what they've done with this is that. Then and he he looked at the EQ on the things because he's got obviously got as a professional mixer he's got these tools that would allow him to do that so he went in and he gain matched before and after and then he's got some tools that can work out which frequencies have been boosted and whatever and it's got it's got the 80s smiley face eq curve yep yep so he was he was like look you know i've remixed stuff i've taken classic albums i do it for fun i've done it professionally um and I've got no problem with it, but when you're sort of pitching it as the next big thing in music and the artist and the people that were involved with it originally haven't necessarily had any input to that, um, he drew a parallel with like photoshopping the Mona Lisa. And then every time you search for the Mona Lisa on Google Images, you get this photoshopped enhanced version, which is not necessarily what you want to see. So his concern is that it's, um, it detri- it's fun and it, the, Apple have done a good thing because you're getting this high quality music at no additional cost and it, you know, the market have responded to that. So it's a net win for everyone. But from a professional mixer point of view, he's like, well, the, 
you're not hearing but bearing in mind that producers mixers will spend hours days weeks even perfecting exactly where each instrument sits in the mix and if you arbitrarily you know after the fact apply some digital signal processing to it to alter that sound it's kind of it's a little bit disrespectful mm. that that was his point of view I, before the end of the podcast i will find out who it was yeah. it's a fascinating watch yeah, no, well, he's right, isn't he? I think, and but I, I agree. Yeah, and I, I always compare this to, to photography. So if you take a photo with a Samsung phone, or to, to a degree with a with an iPhone, it's not anything like it, a professional photographer would would edit it at all. Same thing goes with YouTube thumbnails. You know, you're, you're taught to break every single rule with YouTube thumbnails. You know, to oversaturate them, over sharpen them, and all this stuff. And the reason you do that is because it it grabs people's attention. And if they see an, an oversaturated thumbnail versus a what looks like a washed out one, even though the latter is probably technically brilliantly uh, developed, uh, they'll go for the first one because it looks better. And that, that's what I think is going on with Apple Music. Whether or not they've done that purposefully, I, I don't know. Um, who knows? Uh, although the, there was that interesting interview with Eddie Q, wasn't there? Where he just basically said, "No, ninety-eight percent of the population won't notice a difference," which is understandable. I think the other point of that was that he was just—he was trying to illustrate that the real news is spatial audio, which we won't go into again on the on the podcast yet. But um, as we know, we know our feelings on that. But yeah, I, I just going back to the, the comments I was receiving. It was just one of those. This is a bit inside baseball with, with YouTube, but it, it happens a lot with um, if I ever cover something which is possibly technically beyond me uh, and, and certainly beyond a lot of my audience and I mean that endearingly because like I say we're one of the same I do unfortunately come across certain people who just they, they clearly watch the video but they, they only hear the bits they disagree with they, they ignore all of the caveats that I offer and you know, at the start of that video with the, the, the audio file when I said look if you're an audio file you probably want to you probably want to switch over yeah I'm glad I stayed out of that one I might uh, master this podcast just louder so we're better <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do that really loud right? um, completely changing tact to something we've never talked about I know we haven't had many episodes and this probably won't happen very often but uh, let's talk about windows I think we've got to haven't we I mean there's yeah. the big event today on the day of recording this which i didn't um, know until so, earlier actually to be fair i had no idea that was you happening. Not? no oh. no until i started researching yeah. windows 11 this morning all right okay good <laughs> so yeah um windows 11 that's a funny one isn't it because um they said that windows 10 was going to be the last version of windows ever and that it would be windows as a service ongoing and now they've turned it up to 11 Oh no, we said we weren't going to do spinal yeah. tap references, didn't we? It's ruined it already. You've done it. So Showtime. what's quite interesting is um, I saw Tom Warren. So you know, anyone who's interested in uh, Windows will know Tom Warren from The Verge and Paul Thurrett, obviously. Um, but he posted uh, on Twitter a video of himself asking Cortana if Windows 11 exists. And Cortana's answer, of course, is no, Windows 10 is the last version of Windows. It's going to be Windows as a service. Just tickled me. It was quite amusing. <laughs> Do you reckon that's an in-joke, or do you reckon that was just a mistake? What, the Cortana? Yeah. And Microsoft... I, I they, yeah, they just haven't updated it yet, have they? Yeah. Or are, are they funny enough to make that a... Was that a bit of a quip, do you think? I don't think it is, no. Especially judging by the, the, the state of the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Windows just makes... The, the biggest issue I've got with Windows, I'm not one of these kind of Mac or die people. I, I love Macs, but only because I've been using them for the last 10 years. But before that, I was a Windows person for a long long time um but now it just makes me think of work which is a bit ironic because i do all my work on mac os now but um 
there's something about Windows that is just corporate, and I don't like I say I've been looking at the the screenshots of Windows 11. And there's been a lot of um, a lot of kind of people aren't that keen, are they? There's been some fairly nasty comparisons and things, but to me it just looks like Windows, a bit a bit of a newer Windows. Or am I missing something? It just you know, there's rounded corners, there's there's translucency, there's you know, they seem to have moved the. Um, Taking more of a Mac approach with the dock or the start menu in terms of moving everything in the center, but it just looks like Windows to me. I, th- I think I can't remember who it was on the on the Discord. I think it was Justin who said, hello, Justin, by the way, if you're listening. He Hi, Justin. said that it reminds him of, you know, sort of Linux distros from the 90s. And he's got a point. <laughs> That's not a good thing, is it? That's not what they were going for, was it? No, but yeah, you know, so rounded corners, I can I can deal with that. I'm not sure about the centered nature of the uh, of the icons, and the, the reason for that is that I read a paper on the start bar and the amount of research and development that went into designing the start bar and why it is in the bottom left corner of the screen, and it's due to a, you know, a sort of user experience. Um, theory called Fitz's law and Fitz's law is basically the you know a way of predicting how long it will take a user to do something so like the, the time required to move your mouse pointer to a target area is a function of the ratio between the distance to the target and the width of the target I think is the I probably completely butchered that but is it basically the you know the, le- the, the closer it is to your mouse pointer and the bigger it is, the easier it is for the user to, to find it. The louder it is as well. The louder it is. <laughs> so the reason that they put it in a corner is because you've, you've essentially got an infinite height and width because you can just whip the, the, the mouse pointer down into the bottom corner and you're always going to hit it. So moving it to the centre seems like a bit of a backward step and sort of undoing all of that work that they did. So yeah, there's all sorts of stuff on the interwebs about the you know the amount of thought and care that went into the design and placement of the start bar that they seem to have undone. And the other weird thing about the start bar is that you've got a magnifying glass immediately next to it. So you've got your start uh, button, your Windows icon button that gives you your start menu as it always has done. And then you've got the search. And you know, you've got that in Windows 10 at the moment. But it's just kind of a bit weird because if you bring up the the start menu and you start typing, it will start searching anyway. Yeah. So I don't know why they've done that. That's a bit odd. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah. I've just noticed that you can apparently move the start menu to the left-hand side. So that's you can. anyone that's well, worried about that. A lot of people will, will do that. Just do that immediately, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, I'm looking at the Verge article, I think, which, which is Tom Warren actually, and um, it, it seems largely focused on the look and feel of it. But what else can we expect from Windows 11 that's going to sway me from, that's going to make me sell all of my Macs and buy a Windows machine? I don't think there's anything. I, I, even if, even if they completely overhauled it, which they haven't. So there have been various developers and people who really know their stuff who've sort of gone in and taken it apart. And it's it's a fresh lick of paint, as far as anyone can tell, yeah. currently. And it's perhaps unfair to judge it at the moment because it's a, 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 you know, a leaked early version of it and it may well be from several months ago. You know, we've got no idea where it came from or what sort of state it was in. It clearly wasn't meant for public consumption. Or maybe it was. Maybe this is a, a, a controlled leak. 
you know, publicity stunt. But I don't think it does anything wildly, radically different, uh, and, unless we're not going to see the effects of the things that they've done because they've done a lot of under the hood things. So I watched a video from Linus. Linus had a quick look at the Windows 11. And one thing he noticed was that a lot of things, right and left click, behave the same way. So traditionally you would right click and you'll always get a context menu pop up. He has found that actually they, for a lot of user interface elements in Windows 11, it might be a bug, it might be an oversight, but it was just an interesting observation that perhaps they might be trying to move towards a more um, you know, touch-friendly um, way of interacting with Windows that is better than Windows 8. Well, that would be fascinating, Which, wouldn't it, if they're, if they're doing that? Um, yeah, again, they'd, they'd beat Apple to, to that kind of single unified touch OS, if that's what they're planning, who knows. Um, one thing I do love about Windows, I've not seen this, but I heard someone talking about this on, a, again, I can't remember which podcast it was, but recently, they were saying that if you dig deep enough in Windows, Windows 10, you still you can still find user interface elements from like the Windows XP days. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah, there's certain... that's, that's still the case yeah. in Windows 11. So wow. the, the sort of articles I read and the videos I watched where people have really gone to take it apart and they've gone looking for those yeah. Easter eggs, those, those things that everyone knows about. Yeah, they're all still there. So, I mean, I like the new icons. There's a lot of nice new icons there. Okay. They look pretty nice. Um, but also there's a lot of old stuff in there. So we've still got the two control panels. You've only got the classic control panel. Yeah. And you've got the new oh, Windows still a thing? 10 stuff. They're still both in there, which is, I mean, surely, surely they can combine those two things by now. I think a lot of this comes back to what I was saying earlier about the, the corporateness of it and the fact that it's used in a lot of you know uh, public sector. You know, there's, there's still you know certainly in the UK, I'm, I'm aware of certain um, branches of the NHS and I think the police and what have you. They they still use really old Windows machines. So I do wonder if a lot of this is, is just a cater for those ancient old um, installations and implementations of it. I don't know, but yeah, I, I'm going to get I think a Windows machine at some stage this year just to just to dip into it and uh, compare it and, and like I say I've not used one for te- for about 10 years I reckon a long long time and I've got nothing against Windows at all but it's I just looked at these leaks and just thought well they're not that they just looks like Windows if it was something radically different then yeah in, yeah fair enough but although you could say the same thing in fairness about Mac OS really you know it's, it's had a, a lick of paint here and there but it's still ostensibly the same layout isn't it same dock mm pretty much the same file mani- uh, window management. Well, I mean, the, the biggest change for me in Windows 11 is the death of live tiles. I've mentioned before that, you know, I, I, rather than an iPod, I got a Zune just to be different. Um, and I had a Windows phone. I had several Windows phones, in fact. Um, when the Windows Phone OS looked better than the other mm. operating systems at the time. If you go back now and you look at iOS as it was around the time of Windows Phone and Android around the time of Windows Phone. Windows Phone still looks fresh today. Mm, it does, yeah. And part of that is the live tile paradigm, which I really liked on Windows Phone and I really liked it in the start part. I don't think people made enough use of it. It was kind of like it gained about as much adoption as the touch bar. It's kind of one of those things that seems good on paper, but no one actually ever did anything with. But yeah, the, the notion of being able to get information at a glance directly from your home screen, which is what the live tiles did for you. And this was long before, you know, anyone else was doing it. Hmm. Um, it was really good. So I'm sad to see that go. And they've replaced it effectively with like widgets from Vista. Yeah. 
as far as I can see. I think you've seen any of the screenshots. There's like a weather widget that looks like it's from 2006. I don't want to think about widgets at the minute. Again, (laughs) nothing against widgets, but it's just a bad, bad, it's a difficult topic at the minute, isn't it? It is tricky one well let's see what happens i mean as i say we you know we're, we're kind of recording on the day of the the official announcement aren't we so it might be completely different who knows it may be a completely different thing um yeah so i think when does it start sort of four o'clock this afternoon so and i'll definitely be tuning in because I, I i am interested in it i know i like i come across as uh, an, an apple fanboy and a microsoft hater it's not the case at all i've i've you know i use windows every day um and I've had a lot of Microsofty stuff uh, yeah. in the past that I've enjoyed, and also a lot of Microsofty stuff that I haven't enjoyed. And um, I'm keen to see. I, I, I will. I'll, I'll tune in. I'll have a look. And, yep. Yeah. We we'll, we can see what we thought next time. We can reconvene, can't we? Definitely. I, I think when, when we started this podcast, we said didn't we we don't want it to be completely Apple related. Um, I've always been slightly, obviously, <laughs> to put it mildly, uh, leaning towards Apple with my own content on on YouTube, etc., on the blog. But um, I've always got an eye open for for other stuff completely. So, yeah, I'll try and tune in later. And, yeah, let, let's get back and on, with our thoughts on, on the next episode. Uh, we, we've, as is always the case at this time of the year, when we've had WWDC and we've had spring events and things, there's not much going on with Apple, is there? And I think we've we've talked a lot about lossless <laughs> Apple Music, lossless the M1. I think, yeah, it, it's it's a classic case of what on earth do we talk about next? One thing I would like to talk about next is my new toy because just being selfish and I want to talk about it. I think hopefully you'll find it interesting as well. Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm, as I say, the, my, my, I, uh, my eyes are not as good as my ears, so I must <laughs> confess that I'm not going to notice the things that you do. It shame. looks fantastic, don't get me wrong, but I, I, I wouldn't know what was better about it. <laughs> so I've got a new camera, basically, and this is a purchase I put off for ages, partly because it's so expensive you can spend so much money on cameras and lenses and things but but also because i've been acutely aware that the most important things on on youtube are the content really and the sound so i've I've, I've focused on those and battled along with what i had before which was the sony because you're a sony man aren't you you've you've got a sony um Uh, i've got an a6300 that i don't know how to use I don't think you need to. That's, that's a great thing about about those cameras. They're, they're, they're so easy to, to use, but they're, they're so good image quality-wise. Um, classically, I've always been been a Canon man, but I um, I switched to Sony for video a few years ago and, and just haven't looked back. But yeah, I, I was using a Sony a7S II. Uh, so basically all of the videos from right from the start up until about two weeks ago were filmed on a a7S II, which is a brilliant camera for for film generally, great for low light and what have you, but it's awful if you're sat in a room on your own filming yourself, mainly because the autofocus is horrible. So it has, it's got autofocus, but it's, um, without getting too geeky, it's contrast-based, so it's very slow, completely inaccurate, and you just can't rely on it. So, well, You were using a Canon lens on it as well, though, weren't you? That probably doesn't help. That doesn't help if either. if you were using Sony glass, it would be a bit better. It might be a little bit better, although it's still not brilliant. I've tested it, and it's not it's not great but yeah even, yeah just just to make things harder for myself i am attached some some canon glass to it but so for each video i'd have to focus myself and that's why occasionally i wouldn't be pin sharp and uh, the other problem with it was that it has a 25 minute recording limit i think which is always on your mind you know you're constantly worrying about it it's just stopping recording and uh, so yeah i had to I had to do something at some point so i did and i went for the sony uh, fx3 and the one thing I did realise as soon as it arrived was just how small it is. For something this expensive, I was a little bit... I knew it was 
tiny for a camera. But um, when you can c- compare it against something like the you know, the Canon C70, which is like a big um, cinema camera, uh, it's really small, which has its benefits, but it's just a bit of a shock when you spent that much money on it. But but I'm really happy. It's great. And uh, hopefully the, the footage on the channel will look a bit better now and I'll be in, I'll be in sharp focus all of the time. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, your your first your first piece of content that you put on your newsletter where you were showing off the eye focus on it is insane. You were just going back and forth all over the place, and it was pin sharp wherever you went, whatever you did. It would it just you couldn't make it lose you, which is yeah, that was that was a seriously impressive demo. And it, well, you weren't even trying, were you? It was just a just an off the cuff. Hey, look, check this out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was fantastic. It's hard to explain how much of a difference that makes, actually, having come from something that I've been manually focusing myself to, to something that just tracks your eyes. And it is, it's so impressive. I, I think ge- Sony um, eye tracking is generally regarded as, as the, the best between that and Canon and a few others. But um, it's in practice, it's just unbelievable how quick it is and how accurate so, I mean, it's it is. It's a bit of a niche choice, though. What, what, what led you to that? That's what I'm curious about. Because you had an a, uh, A7S Mark II. Why not an A7S Mark III or an A7C or... It's, um, I mean, it's it's an unusual choice. It's not a mainstream. It's not the sort of thing. I don't. Do, do you know of many other YouTubers that are using that particular? Not camera? the FX3. No. And since when it came out, so I think it was launched about two or three months ago. It was one of those. There, there was a lot of hype leading up to it because it was supposed to be this. Because it is part of their cinema line, which is a very loose term. But there was a lot of hype leading up to it in terms of how how are they going to make a smaller version of the FX6, which is their bigger kind of mid-range cinema camera and uh, when it launched everyone just basically pointed out the fact that it's just a sony a7s3 with without the viewfinder which it is that's completely what it is but it does have a couple of things so it does have a fan which is just nice to know it's there you know if, if, I, if I ever do any long recording sessions i haven't got to worry about it overheating um and the big thing for me is that i don't use it for stills at all so the fact it doesn't have a a um, viewfinder makes no difference whatsoever. I'll never take a still photo with it. So I don't need a kind of dual purpose camera. I just need a a video camera, basically. And I know you can still take stills with this. I'm not sure why you would, but um, I know it's more expensive. But it's that classic thing where I'm just, I feel more comfortable with it being a purely video-based camera really um and also it looks different to the a7s2 whereas the a7s3 looks quite quite similar to the a7s2 and spending that much money i want something that looks considerably different so that's it really to be honest there's not much more reason for it Um, oh you do also get this handle on the top so you but a standard with the um, fx3 you get the the carry handle with the built-in audio stuff on the top which is quite handy i found that quite useful actually whereas you'd have to buy that for the a7s3 which would bring it up to the same sort of price really so um but yeah that, that was it so yeah tilty flippy screen which makes a big difference as well for, for lots of things um yeah it's it's the, the, the latest biggest upgrade to my kit in here and i'm just gonna have to sell my soul to pay for it now and <laughs> not eat for a month yeah, it's uh, it's pricey well and well you you put uh an a stonking bit of glass on it as well, didn't it? <laughs> didn't stop there, yeah. Yeah, so I got the, the 24mm um, f1.4 G Master, which is a very nice lens. Sony make really nice lenses. They make nice everything, actually. The, the, going back to the whole phone thing, I used to like Sony phones. There's a lot of stuff they do that I've always liked, including TVs and things. And um, cameras are just another example of that, where 
They just kind of sit beneath the radar. I mean, they're very popular with the, the YouTube crowd anyway, but I think beyond that, people don't necessarily think of Sony for cameras. They think of Canon, don't they? And, or their phone, to be fair. Um, I, you know, I, was, I was very tempted recently. I saw a really good deal on, on a Xperia 1 Mark II, hmm. which when it came out cost more than a the equivalent iPhone Pro Max. So, you know, it was just immediate no-go if I were going to spend that much money on a phone. I'd yeah. get an Apple one because I'm so embedded in the ecosystem. But, yeah, no, I've always liked the Xperia phones, particularly the ridiculously high-resolution screens that they have and obviously their camera tech. Yeah. Not as say, as we as we mentioned earlier, not that I know how to use any of it, but I'd, like, I'd, I'd enjoy having those manual controls there <laughs> even if I don't know how to use them because I'm an idiot. So... Yeah, no, I was I was very tempted, but I didn't I didn't do it in the end. Enough about cameras. Something I think we should just very quickly mention is the fact that you you and again Justin, we mentioned him earlier. Again, hello Justin, if you're listening, um, on the Discord server, you're going to try and get me into shortcuts with a couple of specific shortcuts. You got, it's, it's a yeah. challenge, isn't yeah, it? You're going to try well, and make. Well, I think he'll beat me quite <laughs> comprehensively on that because he's actually doing it. So you know, I'm not a blogger. <laughs> I don't have Ulysses. I don't have a WordPress blog. But yeah, so essentially we were, it's just some, it came up from an article that you posted about some web services that you really use and enjoy. One of which being something that uh, t- puts like an intelligent title case on your headlines according to particular, you know, press conventions. And the other was uh, Tiny PNG, yep. wasn't it? A image compression tool. And it turns out that both of those services have APIs. And whenever anything's got an API, it means you can shortcutify it. So Justin is probably the the most into shortcuts person we know. He is, isn't yeah. he? He's, he's, he's brilliant. brilliant. He's, yeah. Some of the stuff he's shared is fantastic. He's done some amazing stuff with Day One. And actually, I'll put a link uh, to that in the show notes as well. The, the Day One stuff he's done is is unbelievable. I've, I've, I've kind of used a bit of a customised version of it for, for myself since he shared it, <laughs> but it's brilliant. So I'll, I'll put a link to um, his his article about that. Yeah. Um, so so the idea is to create a shortcut that takes your out takes your draft Ulysses blog post automatically title cases your headline according to your chosen convention takes the images and compresses them uploads them as a draft into your blog and also gets your um your link and puts it into medium because medium has an api as well mm. so yeah i don't have any of those things so he's already got a head start because he has all of those things so i have to go and set all of those things up in order to start <laughs> writing the shortcut but um yeah it's technically possible and that would be cool i think I, I think if we can pull that off then that may well spark your interest in shortcuts i think if you can just hit a button take your draft from ulysses have it on wordpress and medium with your images compressed and your title you know a- appropriately capitalized then um that'd be a game changer wouldn't it i think you, you'll have got me at that point because that is a, a brilliant example of something which it doesn't take a lot a lot of time when you do those things combined but we when you put that across a whole week you know if you're publishing five articles a week there's a lot of time involved in that so yeah to have a shortcut you'd you'd have me hook line line and sinker i think really there's no prize for this though rob i should probably <laughs> highlight that you're just going to get featured on the blog but uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what you and justin do 100 percent confident that justin is going to wipe the floor with me but yeah i i'm I want to do it for fun because I, yeah, I'm, I love shortcuts and I want you to love shortcuts too, Mark. I'm going to, definitely. I'm, <laughs> I'm, going, to, I'm going to love it in time for macOS uh, Monterey later this year. That's, that's my plan. 
Um, right, just to wrap this episode up, Rob, it's going to be shorter than we do normally, but that's because there's hardly any news and you know, people are bored of us talking about Apple Music Lossless. Uh, let's, uh, just for a bit of a laugh, uh, talk about our, our, the worst tech purchase we've ever made. And I'll let you start. What's the, what's the worst piece of tech you've ever had the misfortune to buy? Yeah, I should have thought about this because this was my question. I made this suggestion, didn't I? Well, I'm asking you first today? so I can then just sit here and make notes about what I'm going to pick. So. I, th- I thought that when the question was presented, something would pop into my head and it hasn't. And the, I mean, the trouble is, is the likes of you and I, we very heavily research things before we per- Well, there, there are two things. Is that nowadays, you can't really buy anything that, that, that's that terrible. Everything's, you're going to be happy with whatever you buy mm. these days. You can't really buy a bad computer. You can't really buy a bad phone. Everything kind of is pretty good now. So just off the top of my head, I think was the wor- one of the worst things I bought was this microphone. <laughs> I hate this microphone. And, I, and the only reason I got it is because it was mispriced. So I've got a Rode um, PSA one arm and a Rode whatever the model number is for the matching Spider-Mount and a podcaster. And I bought this because I saw i either read an article or i watched a video with leo laporte from twit yep and he was saying oh it's the best thing ever it isn't and maybe it was 10 years ago when i when i got it but it's uh it's pretty bad and something that i'm looking to uh to sort out however for the money i paid for it i I paid like 40 quid or something for it because it was mispriced um because even today this is sort of two 200 and something pounds not cheap is it yeah it's weird that um, Leo got that wrong because generally speaking, I, I, I like Leo and I, he does tend to make pretty good recommendations and he knows his stuff about sound. I don't mind this mic that you've got at all, actually. I, I think it sounds okay. I, I think I've, my ears have been spoilt by your setup. I think that's the problem. I think in isolation yeah. it's probably fine. But uh, yeah, no, I feel like uh, I need to up my game a little bit. Well, this one's really cheap. The one that I use, it's a, what is it? Uh, Samsung something. It's about seventy quid, I think. I paid for it, so it's not much at all. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. You have, you have got it going into a four hundred quid mixing desk, though. So that does help, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what you said though about tech being pretty good these days, you, I, I totally agree. Because I, I had to think about this question because I, I think it's quite an interesting topic. But it's when you start thinking about it, I was I was thinking about the, you know, the, the purchases that I've made over the last two or three years. Nothing stands out as being really irritatingly bad. Um, at all. I, I remember, it's a little bit like the car industry. I remember speaking to someone who works in, in that uh, sector a little while ago, and he was saying, there's no such thing as a bad car these days, really. You have to be very unlucky to buy a, a brand new car that's rubbish. They're all really good in terms of reliability and features and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's similar to a degree with tech. I'm sure lots of people will be listening to this laughing their heads off at the moment. But the one thing that always sticks in my mind, partly because I still use it, and I don't, I don't know why I still use it. It's like a form of, of you know hurting yourself, um, is, and this will only actually be relevant to our, our UK audience, which isn't very big at the moment, which is the Sky Q remote, which I've mentioned before in previous blogs and things. And again, I don't know why I still use it because it's, you know, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment, but it's single-handedly the worst thing, the worst product that's ever been developed, devised, developed, and actually launched and given to people. I can't work out how it got off the table. Um, And for the uninitiated, it's basically a TV remote with a touch-sensitive control, which, in my experience, starts fast-forwarding if my phone is near it and I get a text message. And you only have to look at it for it to do stuff. 
literally, or it falls off the off the settee, hits the floor, and pauses. It's horrendous. If you've not got an old style non-touch Sky Remote. Oh yeah, we've got two of those. Work with the Sky Box. Yep, we've got two of those, and I don't know why I still put myself through this, but I do. I'm a bit weird. I also have Sky Q, and I don't have that issue with the phone being near the thing and the accidental touches. Are you even using Sky Q? I thought you were going all Apple TV all the time. Yeah, um, we're getting there. Yeah, I think later this year we'll be going Now TV. I think just to to completely get rid of Sky. But um, but yeah, you can see I, I still get pointlessly angry about that remote and i can i could fix this quite easily just by putting it in the bin and, and using one of the other remotes but i don't for some reason but um it, I, it just i wonder fa- if it's particular to your unit have you seen any other people complain quite so badly about that particular Not really. remote? maybe it's just maybe it's just me I like, maybe just asking for a replacement i've lived with it for like seven years now and my girlfriend she's the same she absolutely hates it and every day at least three or four times you'll hear one of us saying this damn remote <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, 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 it interests me because it, I just don't understand how it ever got got released. It's such it's so difficult to use, and it comes back to the whole thing of not having proper clicky buttons for for pausing and fast forwarding, etc. But yeah, that's all I could think of really in terms of my my least favourite piece of tech. Everything else I've bought recently has been great. Just sort of looking around the office to see if I can see anything. I'll tell you what I did buy, and oh. this was your fault again, which was a, a pair oh, of um, six-pound headphones. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, that was just for lols, wasn't it? It that was, was. <laughs> yeah, really for lols, yeah. So you, I, you pointed out, again, this was when we were talking about sound and stuff and uh, experiencing Tidal and you know, lossless and what have you. And you said, well, why don't you just get a really cheap pair of headphones and just see if it's all a load of rubbish and actually it sounds good through them as well. So I bought a pair of, I can't even think what they were, I think... I think they were like Bayer Dynamic. That was a it. decent brand. Yeah, yeah, and they looked all right in the photos actually. And uh, they turned up, and they're absolutely dreadful in every every single way possible. <laughs> they they sound as bad as you would expect a six pound pair of headphones to sound. So yeah, we now know that six pounds is not enough to spend on headphones. Yeah, spend more than six pounds definitely. But uh, but you had you had a number of uh, sort of reasonably priced sort of fifty to hundred pound headphones that were actually really very good for. Yeah, actually, that, that's a really good point. That's a good example of, of modern tech that is, so I think it's slowly becoming more commoditized in terms of getting decent sound for, for not very much money. And I've I found that if you spend about 50 quid um, on a, either a pair, normally on a pair of in-ear headphones, you get you can get pretty decent noise cancelling, decent sound, great battery life. Yeah, if, you, if you're not that fussed about the quality of the audio and you just want a pair of headphones for the gym or whatever, or dog walking, then... Yeah, you haven't got to spend much at all. So I do think, generally speaking, tech is a lot better these days. Absolutely. In recent times, the mo- one of the most disappointing things I've bought is a Logitech Craft keyboard, which is a lovely thing. It's, it feels heavy and substantial. It's all metal and the, you know, the, it's got backlit keys and the keys are sort of nicely scalloped. So it's a really pleasant typing experience. And it's got a hardware twisty knob, which obviously mm. means that it's... It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. But um, the battery on it, the captive battery, sorry to go on about this again, it's got a captive non-user replaceable battery, and it died um, just outside of warranty. Now, well, actually, I say it died just outside of a year. And when I bought it, it had a two-year warranty. And if you go on the internet archive and you look at the product page, Logitech themselves say it has a two-year warranty. When I went to claim on it, they said, oh, and it's only got a one-year warranty. And if you go and look at the page now, it's only got a one-year warranty. So this is like a £150 keyboard that's got a one-year warranty and a non-user replaceable battery. So when it worked, 
and you can still use it plugged in. You know, it still it still works. But now I've I've gone back to a Microsoft Sculpt keyboard, which is, is it's got its own proprietary RF dongle, but it is rock solid. Yep. Unlike I mean, even the best Bluetooth things will have a wobble now and again, but this thing, I've had it seven years and it has never let me down. I can put normal batteries in it, and um, and it's all bendy and uh, ergonomic, so um, it's really comfortable to type on. Um, but I mean, it's not not one thing, right? But the time that I went all Microsoft, that was also one of the most disappointing tech experiences of my life. Oh dear. So we've talked previously about how much I appreciate the integration between things in the Apple ecosystem where I can stroll up to my Mac and it will open automatically if I'm wearing my Apple Watch and it's the ease with which I can transfer files between things or beam content from one device to another and all of that good stuff. And so I went all Microsoft. I got a, a Service Pro, I got... Um, an xbox one with connect Two. i had a windows phone i had a microsoft band i don't know if you remember that i remember those yeah i nearly bought one actually yeah at the time it was better than the equivalent fitbits and it was backed up by the microsoft health platform um and yeah on paper it should have been brilliant and it was actually i really enjoyed my microsoft band but it died again just outside of warranty microsoft weren't interested a few months not a few months later they bought out the microsoft band too and I got one of those. And it was everything that I liked about the Microsoft Band, but a bit better in a number of ways. It was just sort of, it looked better. It, it was more comfortable, did some new stuff. Um, and that one also died. That one died within the warranty. Um, and I had to send it to Germany to get it repaired at my expense, which they were to reimburse at a later date. So it went off to Germany. They had it for about three weeks and they sent it back. And they had done nothing about it. And this is quite a common problem. It was a, yeah. as a design flaw with the wiring within the strap that it would break. Um, so, so I sent it off to their service centre in Germany. They had it for several weeks. They sent it back in exactly the same state with no covering letter or any explanation or email or anything. So I had to phone up customer services again. And they were like, oh, yeah, no, we haven't got the parts to replace it. So um, we'll have to give you a refund. Can you send it back to us? And then we'll... <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a refund and so i sent it back and then they did send me a refund but rather than bearing in mind that i've got a microsoft account that i'd set up because i'd used the xbox and the surface pro and i you know I'd, i switched everything to microsoft so when microsoft had a music streaming service which was groove i tried that out wow. um groove being a sort of uh a, a successor to the zune music pass service that they had previously yeah um, yeah, I switched over to Outlook. I did everything to see if it would all work work together. So, so they had my bank details, or they had my my debit card. In fact, they, I bought the Microsoft Band directly from them. So they could have refunded me to my card. What they did was they couriered me a check from Virginia. <laughs> wow! What what to refund That's you? Insane, a check yeah. to refund me? Yeah, from Virginia. Yeah. How's that cost effective? Yeah, That's there's a, ludicrous, isn't it? A lot of work and postage involved in that, isn't there? Yeah. So like all a, this to say, right, that I I wanted to compare like for like. I had all the all the Microsoft stuff, um, and it showed a lot of promise. And when they were when they had Windows Phone and Xbox and everything, they were at the developer conferences, they were presenting this sort of one code base, multiple screens ideology which we effectively have now in apple so you know it's i mean it's a good mm. 
seven, eight years later. But Apple have essentially reached that goal of you as a developer being able to create an application that the users can then use on their phone, on their tablet, on their TV, you know, where wherever it is, you, you can compile your application and it will it will work in all of those places. Microsoft were trying to do this, as they always do, years ago, but just didn't pull it off. They just, mm. It was terrible. Um, and so like Connect, the Connect 2 on Xbox was brilliant. They had a really good fitness service, again, way before Apple had a fitness service. And that, the Connect technology actually is what powers Face ID in Apple devices now. Oh, so oh the Connect yeah, 2 they device, bought, didn't they buy the technology or something? They, they, bought they the, did buy it, yeah, and that may, may, may be why Connect had to die. Possibly. But when it was there, so Microsoft, you had your Xbox One, you had your Connect 2, you had the, the fitness service, and it would, it could, using infrared, it could track your skeleton and it could track your heartbeat. And so you would be doing the workout and you could see a digitised avatar version of yourself on the screen doing the workout. And it would tell you, oh, you're not, you're not dipping low enough, you're not jumping high enough, mm. you're not moving this. So in real time, it would give you sort of, uh, you know, personal trainer advice whilst recording all of your biometric wow. data. So it was fantastic. If you haven't seen it before, go no, and check it I out. Haven't, because no. it, it, it kind of makes Apple Fitness look a bit naughty by comparison. Um, but yeah, but they killed it. They killed Fitness. They killed Connect. They killed the Microsoft Band. They killed Windows Phone. And again, Windows Phone had a lot of stuff before everyone else. Windows Phone had OLED screens. It had um, Qi wireless charge, uh, charging. They had fantastic, um, you know, high-resolution camera sensors, Zeiss glass yep. before anyone else. Yep. And the Nokia actually developed a really, um, a really responsive, super high response rate in terms of grey to grey, which is why on Windows Phone, I, mean, I don't know if you've ever seen one in the flesh, but the scrolling, although it's only 60 hertz, because mm. it's got a, an absurdly low grey to grey response time, it's so crisp. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've got a couple in the drawer and I dug them out the other day just to have a look. It's it's still better than a lot of um, even high resolution screens that you see today because it's not all about the refresh rate. It's also the, uh, the grey to grey response time. I guess what I'm saying is that all of the stuff that I'm enjoying today, I've wanted for a very long time and Microsoft kind of tried to do it first but did it badly and that's why it's disappointing because i don't want i know i come across like an apple fanboy and that i dislike microsoft i don't it's just they've hurt me so many times in the past i think you've got you've gone in i love the i love the, your commitment you've really gone in with that stuff i do wonder if they when you that the story about the band i do wonder mm-hmm. if they launch certain products and just forget about them because not many people buy them or perhaps just you buy them and maybe when they you sent that one back it arrived and they were like what's this just send it back to him he'll, he'll forget <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I love I love the commitment you have with it, and it's just yeah, it's just a shame a lot of those products don't make it. And Windows Phone is just a classic classic example of that. But I wasn't aware of some of those fitness features that you just mentioned. That that's that's really interesting, and it's just a shame that Apple just seems to somehow it's the classic Apple thing where they come in at the end and and do a better version or a, a version of it when it is more relevant i think that's probably the more the case isn't it the, the only i think exception to that role is possibly the apple watch which didn't know what it was when it was first launched in whatever it was 2015 uh, was it before that um yeah that that was a, a bit of a confused product but then it slowly realized that what it really was was a, a fitness device and it's been it's still the best thing on the market for that but yeah it that's that's a sad story, I think, because I think you you really gave it your all, and they and for whatever reason it didn't work out. 
So I think that, that's my worst tech purchase story is the time I went all Microsoft all the time and really, really tried to make it work. And they just, they cancelled half of it and the stuff that remained just didn't really work properly. I think we've rinsed everything there, Rob. I know, that, that, like I say, the news isn't exactly um, bustling at the moment for, for Apple, is it? And uh, we've done Windows, we've done cameras, we've done Apple Music Lossless again. But yeah, no, I think that's, that's all good stuff. I'm going to go off now and edit this and make it as loud as possible. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Cheers. See ya.